All right, Luke 2 again. Luke chapter 2. What have been the most important life-changing announcements you've heard in your life? Perhaps your mind goes to big-picture global announcements, like when you first heard the news that the Twin Towers had been struck on September 11th, 2001. Or when you heard the wonderful announcement that 33 Chilean miners had been rescued in 2010 after being trapped for 69 days. Remember when that gripped the world? Or you might think of something more personal to you, like when you heard your hometown team had won the championship. Or you received that letter of acceptance to the college of your dreams. Or you found out you were expecting your first child. Of course, personal announcements are not always pleasant. Significant milestones in life are marked by announcements like the diagnosis of a serious illness or the death of a loved one. But announcements can often come at surprising times in surprising ways. And they impact our lives so that we're never the same again. Or working through Luke's narrative concerning the birth of Jesus Christ, the nativity narrative. Last week we saw verses 1 through 7, the birth of Jesus in a small town called Bethlehem, not too far south of Jerusalem. We saw how this great ruler of Rome, Caesar Augustus, made a decree. But really it was God's decree that was being carried out as Jesus was born in Bethlehem, as had been prophesied in the book of Micah. And now that Jesus has been born and been laid in swaddling cloths in a manger, this week we see the next small snippet, the birth announcement. And for those who hear it, and for us today, it is still one of the most life-changing announcements we will ever hear. It's an announcement that a Savior has been born. So turn with me in your Bibles to Luke 2, if you haven't already, and we're going to read verses 8 through 12. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Two points for us. Glory coming down. Glory coming down. 
and good news going out. Good news going out. So first, glory coming down. Let's look again at verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. So we're still near Bethlehem, Luke tells us, but he relocates us from the town into the surrounding area. We sort of zoom out Google Maps style from Bethlehem and then zoom back in out in the fields with a group of shepherds. Now, if you were with us a month or so ago, when we were working through our series on the church, we preached a sermon on elders. And in that that sermon, we kind of beat home this idea of elders, not as CEOs or, or just visionary leaders only, but as shepherds, those who shepherd the flock of God. It was, it was, a, it was a nice image for us. It was a biblical image for us. It's a noble calling to be those who would shepherd and lead people to God. But we ain't in that series anymore. And as we read Luke 2 this morning, we must disabuse ourselves of any notion that shepherds are respectable or honorable. Shepherds in the days of Jesus' birth were a despised class of people. Their occupation was not seen favorably in the least. Shepherds were sometimes thieves and robbers, and they were not trusted to bear witness in a court of law. Don't believe me? Listen to a third century rabbi who was on record 1,700 years ago as saying, there is no more despised occupation in the world than that of shepherds. And so here in Luke 2, we see these shepherds out with their sheep late at night, and we don't know their hearts, but we do know their occupation. We know their kind. These are not people you'd want to make a kingly announcement to. They're not worthy. But we don't think like God thinks, do we? God prizes the humble and lowly. As Jesus would carry out his ministry three decades later, he too would go to despised classes of people and call them to follow him. He would go to tax collectors and prostitutes, those hated, the outcasts, and he would call them to himself, not condoning their sin, not coddling their sin, but calling their hearts. It's the humble who know their need for God. In their lowliness, many times, they're more ready to hear and humbly believe. So Luke places us in this setting then. It's night. Shepherds are watching their flock. And then verse 9. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. So just looking out on who's here today, y'all have heard this story many, many times. Let's just say millions just to be safe, okay? That does not need to make our imaginations dull when this 
text comes around, especially in December. I mean, just let's just imagine, if you're an imaginary person, all of us are to some extent, just imagine what this must have been like. The jarring reality of this. Because you're with your sheep, you've done this hundreds of times, it's night, maybe it's cloudy, maybe it's starry, maybe it's darker, maybe it's lighter with the moon. The sheep are doing sheep things at night. And here you're at it again. I don't know what you're looking forward to as a shepherd. Maybe just going into Bethlehem the next day for some yummy stuff that you would eat. And then boom! Sheep to angel. Dark to light. And not just any kind of light, but glory of the Lord kind of light. In the Bible, the glory of the Lord is oftentimes related to a sense of radiance, piercing radiance. You think about Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, dazzlingly white. Peter awakes and sees Jesus, and it says he saw the glory. Or you think of Paul on the way to Damascus, just flattened. This is the glory of the Lord. John Piper has called God's glory the outward radiance of the intrinsic beauty and greatness of his manifold uh, perfections. I think elsewhere he's called it sort of God's holiness going public. So if you think about the holiness of God, the the splendor and terror of that in kind of a, a public, visible way. And it's this overwhelming, mind-bending glory that is to the left and right and front and back and up and down of these shepherds who up until a moment ago were just waiting out another night drowsily in the fields. And now they're surrounded. They can't escape. They're sitting ducks. And talk about an announcement you're never going to forget. Talking about an announcement that'll change your life. God's glory has come down to these shepherds, these despised herders of sheep. And yet, even as God's glory has come down in the field outside Bethlehem, we saw last week that God's glory has already come down in the village. But in such a different way. This passage, again, sets up this remarkable contrast. Do you see it? God's glory has come down in Bethlehem, and it's come down in the field. But that glory is, is just appearing so differently. God's very own Son, the possessor of all glory from all eternity, is being placed in a humble manger, a feeding trough. While a field somewhere outside the city is lit up with God's glory. A humble baby... With a glorious announcement. It's just an, an amazing juxtaposition of Jesus' deity and humanity, his godness and manhood, his glory and lowliness. No other story you've ever heard, no other story in history, no other story you could ever dream up with the most vivid imagination could ever show this sort of mercy. To stoop this low and be this gracious. You have to be God. No one can stoop lower than God. Because God is the highest one. 
But instead of being heralded in the halls of political power, this birth announcement is given to humble shepherds. For the Lord is merciful. As we said before, this is how he works. God works with the lowly. In order to receive his mercy, we need to admit we need it. So, Christian, do you want to be used by God? You want to know God? Humble yourself. Be ready to hear rebuke from trusted friends and family. Be open to counsel often. Be gentle and lowly like Jesus. The proud never turn to God. The humble are those who see the Savior. Christian, cultivate humility in your heart. Be soft towards the Lord's conviction. Recognize that he is God, not you. Rest in him. Well, these shepherds' heart rates had been clipping along at a normal rate a few minutes before, but now Luke says they are filled with great fear. And their blood pressure is rising. An angelic messenger has appeared in blazing light. It's no longer a silent night, though it remains a holy one. The night is filled with light. Their hearts are filled with fear. But it turns out the angel is filled with news. And that news is going to come pouring out in a waterfall of grace. So glory is coming down. Secondly, why is glory coming down here? Because good news is going out. Good news is going out. Look at verse 10. The shepherds cower in fear. The glory of the creator God is swirling around them. And then the angel says, what angels can tend to say in these circumstances, even though it makes no sense while you're in it, Fear not. Such wonderful words, aren't they? But if you think about it, they can only be wonderful words if you have some rationale behind them. I mean, it's, it's just cruel to say to someone who's rightfully terrified that they just need to get over it and stop being afraid. That's irrational. It's mean. There needs to be a basis for that command. There needs to be a reason to stop being afraid. When I was a teenager, this this memory has become more and more foggy, but it's still there. When I was a teenager, I was going for a jog, a very, very uncommon occurrence for me as a teenager. Maybe this shows that I should never have done it again. I remember jogging down our our town in many back roads, jogging down a back road, and having a, a dog just cut across a lawn straight for me. Now, I didn't grow up with dogs. Um, it very well might have just wanted to lip my, lip, lick my face off, but in that moment, I think of it as, as probably akin to a great white shark in its ferocity. And there would have been nothing helpful if I had just kind of stopped, looked at the dog, and been like, Jacob, fear not. At that moment, my fear was healthy. My fear was going to drive me to survival to cut and run, to stop and brace, to do the karate chop that I never had learned to do. 
Fear was appropriate in that moment. But what it seemed was the last moment, the dog just stopped short. Aha, invisible fence. Thank you, homeowner. And all of a sudden, fear went away. I could relax. Now I could fear not, because I had good reason to. And if I had known that all along, I could have said, as he ran pell-mell towards me, did I even say that anymore? Pell-mell. Ran towards me fast and furious. It would have made a lot more sense at that time for me to be like, Jacob, fear not. Not many dogs cut through an invisible fence, even though I guess that could have been a possibility. Keep a little bit of fear. Here, the angel does have good rationale behind his command not to fear. Fear not, he says, and that's not the end. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. This angel is coming not to destroy these shepherds or whatever they're afraid he might do to them. He has come as a herald of news. As we sang earlier, hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. This is a herald angel. He's bringing news. One of the biggest newspapers in Florida is the Miami Herald. The Herald is the name of the student newspaper at Patrick Henry College. And these angels are heralds. This announcement on the field outside Bethlehem is in a way, like Miami Herald and the Herald might publish, a news story. It's a headline. And it's for the shepherds. I love that about this verse. Because, you know, we can read all the good news headlines around the world that we want. To try to balance out the horror stories that we read. Did you know that there are whole websites just devoted to just good news? But the thing about those good news stories is they're they're often feel-good stories more than they are good news stories. Why? Because they're about specific people getting good things. And so when we read them, we get happy. We We see it as good news, but it's not exactly good news for us. It's good news for somebody else. It's nice to read about the guy who got rich and then gave $1 million back to the charity that had found him in poverty. That's good news, but we're not the charity receiving the million dollars. We can, we can smile and feel good about that, but it's not necessarily good news for us. Here the angel says he has good news, and he says it's good news for them. In fact, it's for all the people, he says. This is good news that isn't just feel good news for someone else and the shepherds get to listen. This is good news for them, lowly shepherds. And the angel says it's good news of great joy. It just keeps getting better and better. So what is it? Verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. A Savior, Christ, Lord. That person has been born. That's the news. It's a birth announcement. 
There is a, a boy who has been born in nearby Bethlehem who's going to save. And we see here these kind of three different titles for Jesus. Savior, Christ, Lord. The New Testament scholar Daryl Bach says the major offices of Jesus are confessed in one sentence. He is Savior, Lord, and Christ. That is Deliverer, Master, and Anointed King. Boom, boom, boom. Hear that news. That's the headline blaring forth. News that this Deliverer, Master, King has come. That he's here. That he's the Savior. I don't know how many of you have heard this, but it's been speculated that the flocks being kept by these shepherds out on that not-so-silent night on the field were flocks designated for sacrifice in the temple. We don't know that for sure. But it does help point us to why Jesus' coming here is such good news. Because the true Lamb of God has come. The shepherds are leaving lambs to see the Lamb. It's not just good news that God has come to earth, though it is. It's not just good news that a baby has been born, though that's always a joy. No, it's good news that God has come down and glory has descended and been placed in a manger so that 33 years later, that that life will become a perfect sacrifice made for the sins of God's people. See, Jesus was born so he might die. Jesus, the Son of God, took on flesh and was born as a baby so he might live a sinless life and then die a righteous death for sinners, taking all their sin on himself. Jesus came to be the substitute sacrifice for sinners, having their sin placed on him and bearing their penalty so they could go free. And that could be you, friend. First, you must humble yourself and acknowledge that you have sinned against God. You have desired to be the God of your life, not him. And then turn to him in faith. Repent and place your trust in Jesus. Asking him to take your penalty so you might take his life. See, Jesus was born so he might die. But he died so he might rise again. Jesus took the sin penalty of all who would trust in him and then rose from the dead in victory, showing his sacrifice had been effective. And we too can have new life in him forever. Friend, trust in him today. And find Christmas to truly be good news for you. And brothers and sisters, notice again that this angel is a herald angel. As those who have received good news, who have had the head, uh, wonderful headline shared with us, we too must be heralds. We too must be publicizers, promoters, proclaimers of this news. The news that Jesus has been born, lived, and died, risen again for sinners. And that all who repent and believe in him will be saved. This is the news everyone must here and we're reporters who have just gotten the best scoop of our of our career to share we must herald it 
Perhaps this Christmas you need to hear that challenge as you prepare to have time with extended family and friends who don't know Christ. Perhaps you can begin praying even now for open doors and for opportunities to speak and plant seeds in conversations you have so he's proclaimed. Perhaps this Christmas you need to hear afresh that this, good news, this is good news for you. I mean, you won't share good news like this until you believe it is good news for you, right? So have you lost your zeal to share Jesus? Maybe it's because you've lost your wonder to know Jesus. Ask the Lord this Christmas to show you once again how amazing this news is. Set aside some time intentionally during the insanity of the seasonal schedule to reflect, to meditate on what it means that Jesus could come for you. Friends, this herald angel is not spouting fake news or he's, or he's overstating something for clickbait or, or tweaking the narrative a bit to get likes. This is reliable news because it's coming from the very throne room of God. A Savior has been born. The King has come. And in verse 12, the shepherds are going to get a sign now. The angel says, this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. I like how one author puts it. The angelic announcement does not come in mystical isolation. It connects to concrete events. It reminds us, doesn't it, that Christianity is about faith. And faith is the conviction of things not seen, as we read in the book of Hebrews. That's true and supremely important. Yes, we mu- yet we must not forget that our beliefs are also tied to important historical realities, historical markers. Christianity is a religion not of mystical origin or legendary folklore, but it's rooted in history. Concrete events. And so these shepherds, awed by this announcement, now have a sign that they can use to back up the headline. If it's too unbelievable, well, they can go see the baby. By the way, he's wrapped in swaddling cloths. By the way, he's lying in a manger. When you see him, you'll know. And as we'll see in a few weeks, God willing, they do go and they do see him. And they are glad they did. You know, we started off thinking about the most life-changing announcements we've ever heard. Well, have you thought much about how it would look like and how it would be like to be the one carrying the announcement that could change someone's life? How you could be the one who gives the announcement that's the best announcement they've ever heard? Church, we are called to be ambassadors of the King, carrying his message of reconciliation and forgiveness. The King, obviously, is the one who can change hearts and save sinners, but he commissions us to spread the word and make the announcement. So where might you be able to do that this week? Have you prayed much or, or thought much about that recently? Where God might be calling you to proclaim Christ to those around you. 
Perhaps it's in a long-term relationship that you've been building. Perhaps it's with a brand new coworker or neighbor that you hardly know. Maybe it's with your children, especially during Advent, where they're already looking forward to Christmas, with, Christmas morning with such zeal that it's really natural to speak of excitement and anticipation of Jesus. Maybe it's with your plumber, or your electrician, or your mechanic. Church, let's pray that we would hold this news fast to our hearts as good news for us. And then herald it out with joy and zeal for others to know as well. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for how Christmas forces us to look upward and outward. Your glory has come down. And now your good news has gone out. So we look upward to see your glory that descends. And then now we need to look outward as herald Christians being part of a mission. Lord, help us to do so with whole hearts. God, we we need to hear this in different ways this morning based on where we're at. Some of us need to hear this exhortation as a rebuke, as a warning, because they haven't shared their faith in a long time. And so we pray for those who have lost their zeal to proclaim Christ. Help them to repent of any unbelief or fear in their hearts and grant them a fresh vision of your mercy for them. And then help them to step out in obedience and faith. Holy Spirit, impress that upon them. Help them to experience the joy of being heralds of the gospel. Lord, some need to hear this who have shared the gospel faithfully and just are discouraged because nothing seems to happen. Lord, would you remind them that the message, or that the power of the message is not the, the message itself, but it is the, the, the Jesus, the Christ that it points to. Lord, help them to remember that any sort of perceived lack of fruit is, is not because of them, per se. They only share the news. You are the news. And Lord, help them to take comfort in their obedience and rest in that. And we pray, Lord, for those who are elated by the gospel this morning, who who love singing these songs and are just thrilled with the notion of Christmas and incarnation, and it's just capturing their emotions and their heart right now. Lord, for them, we ask for opportunity. And we ask that you would encourage them not to just share this with the, the believers in their life, though that's so important, but you'd help them to look outward to those who are only really hearing bad news. That they might be those messengers of good news to those in darkness. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for that first Noel, that first Christmas night, when angels proclaimed the king had been born. In his name we ask, in the name of Jesus. Amen.